0: This is the Immigration Conversation presented by Fragman, A series of talks and discussions by leading immigration lawyers and professionals from around the world it will bring you the most up-to-date business immigration news, issues of concern and strategies in the world of global immigration and mobility.
1: Hello and welcome to the Immigration Conversation. My name is Charlotte Wills and I'm a senior manager in the UK practice here at Fragman.
2: And I'm Louise Haycock, a partner with The Firm. This podcast is the first in a series dealing with the countdown to the end of the Brexit transition period. And today, Charlotte and I will discuss the impact to UK employers, and particularly the introduction of the brand new immigration regime in the UK, now less than a month away.
1: Now, Brexit is something that has absorbed a significant amount of both mine and Louise's working life over the last four years. So, we think that we will look at how clients have been preparing and share some tips on aspects to consider as we approach the go live date. But before we get into that, first we thought we'd start with some basics. So, the transition period will end on the 31st of December, now just over a month away. And with that, free movement for UK nationals into Europe. And European nationals into the UK will become a thing of the past, although those in situ will be allowed to stay, but may need to undergo some formalities first. Louise, I know my days are dominated by working together with clients to ensure they're ready and understand the challenges. Are you saying the same?
2: Oh, I definitely am. Employers have been really busy since Brexit. And of course, more recently, that's set against the background of everything that they've needed to do in terms of the the global pandemic. The challenges to hr and to mobility have been endless but in terms of what i've been seeing and experience around experiencing around what clients have been doing i've seen them help and, and look to to really protect their current workforce so this could be their europeans in the uk or of course their uk nationals in europe and and this part is important the family members of europeans who reside in the uk or in the eu on the basis of their relationship to a European national. Now, for example, in the UK, I've seen employers directing employees to make their applications under the EU Settlement Scheme, often planning their communications strategically and adjusting the tone um, as the the years have gone by. They've offered other support as well. Um, I've seen them publish guides, FAQs, or maybe hold town hall events.
1: Yes, it it really is so important to check that those already in situ have their status protected. And interesting that although we have provided transactional support for those with complex cases, such as uh, those on comments overseas, for example, the system has largely been straightforward enough that direction and guidance has, has been sufficient. But certainly, I have been drafting a series of follow-up comms and uh, communications to employees to remind them of the deadlines and why imply, applying through the scheme is, is really so important. And, and once a business is comfortable, that they've got their current populations under control, what, what's next?
2: Well, more recently, we've been preparing business for the new immigration regime in the UK, and we now know that that's going to go live on the 1st of December, so slightly earlier than we expected. Now the regime is going to apply to to both uh, EU and non-EU nationals and it actually bucks the trend of becoming more restrictionist, it's actually more generous than the tier two scheme that's currently in place, um, although there is still no category for for those roles that are deemed low skilled um, or or low paid. That said, the regime is costly and those costs will apply to EU nationals where they haven't before.
1: And that's so true. I mean, certainly we do a lot of work with companies analysing if there are gaps. So roles that they can't sponsor and will struggle to fill without access to new labour from Europe. Of course, if they can recruit, what the costs are are going to be. And it's that impact analysis that's so important to business and so important to business leaders, particularly as they budget for what is likely to be a very tricky year to predict financially.
2: Yeah, that's quite right. but of course, it isn't just the board and, and business leaders that, that need to be aware. Um, certainly in the last few weeks, I've done lots of training sessions, um, particularly for HRBPs and recruiters, um, so that we can look strategically at headcount planning. Uh, and by that, I mean moving individuals um, whilst free movement still exist and taking advantage of, of those those provisions. Of course, the other issue that we're we're seeing employers contend with is the changes of the ability... Um, of UK nationals to undertake business travel to Europe and vice versa. So that means that once free movement ends, Europeans coming to the UK and UK nationals going to to Europe on business visits are going to be subject to restrictions that they they haven't been before. So if we use an example, let's say a Romanian national comes to the UK for a visit, Um, if they do that now or they come in December, Um, they would be able to conduct some work whilst they were in the UK. But if that same individual came in January, they would need to stick to the activities as permitted um, under the business visitor regime, such as meetings or or classroom-based training. So There's really an education piece to make sure that those individuals really think about what they're doing and, and seek information about whether or not their proposed activities are permitted. Now, for a British national who's going to Europe, there there are further restrictions um, governed by the the time allowed in the Schengen area, so only 90 days in every 180 days um, is permitted. However, the, the permissible activities will vary by jurisdiction to jurisdiction. So clearly, travellers need to be educated, but it's also a great opportunity, I think, for, for businesses to tighten the reins on business travel and consider how business tracks and, and monitors that, that business travel going forward.
1: Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And I mean, there's a lot to think about there. Shall we shall we focus on the new regime for a moment? Because this really is um, a, a big shift for employers in the UK's immigration system, which was last overhauled in, I think, 2006. And the new system will apply both to EU nationals as well as third country nationals, all except for Irish nationals, of course, who remain able to live and work in the UK freely without any permission to do so. Louise, you mentioned earlier that the new UK regime is more generous and less restrictive than the system we have in place today. How so?
2: Well, there are a number of ways that the new regime has become less restrictive. So skilled worker is going to replace the old tier two general route. So employers are still going to need a sponsor licence as under the, the current regime. Now, under the skilled worker category, the resident labour market test is going to be abolished um, and the monthly cap is also suspended. In addition, the skills threshold is reduced from RQF level six to RQF level three. So that means that employers can sponsor individuals in roles assessed around A level, school leaver um, level or equivalent. So it means that lots more roles are going to qualify for, for sponsorship. The salary level is also going to be reduced from 30,000 to 25,600 uh, for most roles, but lower salaries are going to be permitted where applicants qualify for what, what's known as, as tradable points. And these are available under a, no- a number of criteria, including those who are new to the job market, working shortage occupations and those with, with PhDs. Now, applicants under the skilled worker category are going to need to show that they meet the English language speaking requirement, either through being a national of a deemed English language speaking country, having a degree taught in English or, or passing a test. And the other great thing is that the cooling off period is being abolished for this category and switching from within the UK will also become more widely available. So lots for, the, for, for employers to, to feel some comfort about um, that this new regime is more business friendly.
1: And I think it's good to see that the ICT route is being maintained too, but interestingly the skill level remains at RQF level 6. I suppose one advantage is that meeting the English language requirement um, isn't required for an ICT, so it could be a good option when getting a test is difficult, which we've seen especially in, in recent times with the pandemic. Other than that, ICTs, the use m- could be more limited in the future, as with no recent labour market testing, the skilled worker route is more attractive because it puts an individual on a path to settlement straight away, allowing both the individual and the business to keep their options open, I suppose.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. And I suppose there are other envisaged categories that are going to be helpful to employers. Um, for example, there's going to be a, a new category for UK graduates um, opening in the summer of 2021. And that's going to allow them a a two-year permission, uh, and and they're permitted to work on that. So much like the old post-study work visa for for anyone that that remembers that category. Um, But of course, none of these categories are as easy or as cheap as free movement, but they're definitely more business-friendly, I think, than than what's in place right now. Um, But in terms of using the system in in practice, what are you expecting to see, Charlotte? It's It's not exactly a wholesale change, is it?
1: Well, not not really. I mean, the procedure is largely the same and uses the same technology, uh, at least for now. There's no resident labour market testing or application under the cap, which potentially saves as much as five weeks. But the pre-application process is not abandoned altogether for those requiring entry clearance who are outside of the United Kingdom at the moment, Employers will need to apply for a defined certificate of sponsorship. So we think that's a process that will look like applying for a restricted course, but will be decided in 24 hours unless there is a request for further information compared to the the monthly allocation dates we had at the moment.
2: The same steps, but but much speedier, it looks like. Yes. Um, That's exactly what we think. And from the conversations that you're having with with business, how, how do you think those preparations are going?
1: From my conversations with clients, I think they are really on top of the EU settlement scheme communications. I would encourage them to keep going with that and be careful not to miss out on the non Europeans who have permanent residence or um, EC residence card. Now, understandably, planning for the regime took a backseat during the first half of the, the pandemic this year. We conducted a benchmarking report of around 500 employers over the summer. And just 20% had completed their workforce audit at that time. Um, Hopefully the figure is slightly bigger now. Uh, With a month to go, the findings of the workforce audits should be communicated if you haven't already
2: and really take the time to consider the impact of, of the costs involved yeah that that's good advice it's so important to keep feeding those those financial projections of exactly what this new regime is going to cost the business um into those that that really need to to hear about it particularly as they they plan their their budgets for for the year ahead I'd also say now is a really good time to focus on training um, interested stakeholders on the new regime. So particularly uh, recruiters, um, and to think about the policies that you've you've got in place currently. Are are they still fit for purpose? Um, so one example perhaps might be that your mobility policy says that you'll you'll pay for all dependents, and is that really still viable um, if your numbers are going to to increase dramatically? And is it in line with the market? Um, are there other policies that your that your clients are thinking about about changing or considering whether they're they're still um, fit for purpose, Charlotte?
1: Yes. So one example is the new regime allows those on an ICT to switch into the skilled worker category, and therefore the individual can be put on a path to settlement. Some of my clients are anticipating they'll get lots of requests at this point um, and are considering whether they'll pay the costs because in some cases it's obviously sensible to have a clear, consistent policy. However, for other organisations, they're favouring more of a pragmatic approach with manager discretion. Um, it's, it's a really tricky one and certainly there is, there's no one-size-fits-all approach. There are, I think, still some issues that employers are, are grappling with. Um, Louise, do you want to discuss the right to work
2: issue that we've been tackling? <laughs> yeah, thanks, Charlotte. Um, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, I think this is still the biggest outstanding point related to the, the new regime and the end of free movement. And it concerns checking the right to work of Europeans between the 1st of January and the 30th of June 2021. So, so we understand at this point. So those who who start work during those periods and are, are European can evidence their right to work by showing a European passport or an ID card, and the employer will gain a statutory defence against illegal working. However, If a European has arrived in the UK for the first time from the 1st of January onwards, they don't have protected rights and they aren't eligible for status under the EU Settlement Scheme, and therefore they may not actually have the right to work. There is a further complication in that it would actually be discriminatory to insist on evidence of right to work, so the EU Settlement Scheme um, permission or permission under the new regime to be provided. so the same goes for those who are currently employed there's no obligation to perform a retrospective check or indeed you can't make it mandatory for an employee to evidence that they've applied for status so what to do about it um, this becomes a question of risk from an employer standpoint you would have a statutory defense against illegal working by virtue of seeing uh, the, the passport or, or the id card of a european national um, in that that interim period, so the grace period uh, of the 1st of, of January to the 30th of June. However, if later down the line you find out that the individual doesn't have permission, you might have to stop them working, which is clearly hugely disruptive to the business. And of course, from an individual's perspective, if they don't have the right status, they could end up with issues um, evidencing right to work for, for future employees, employers, sorry, And they may need the status when they rent a property or open a bank account or even access healthcare. The option to employers is whether or not they have a very gentle conversation to encourage Europeans to share their status without making it mandatory. But they should only do that in line with advice from their employment lawyers and potentially a a data privacy officer as well. So they can really decide on, on what the business risk profile is going to be.
1: Yeah, and that's been a really tricky one, and it has been interesting to see the range of responses we've seen across our client base. Uh, definitely one where companies' appetite for risk needs to be needs to be considered. Now we've covered a lot of ground there, Louise. Um, shall we finish with our top tips, perhaps, for employers who may be feeling slightly overwhelmed by all the change? What do you think?
2: Yeah, good idea um so first of all uh communicate communicate to those uk nationals um in in europe and the the europeans in the uk make sure you're on top of of those deadlines um but if you've got if you've done that and you are looking to protect your your current populations you've got a huge way to minimizing the impact of, of brexit on your staffing if you have conducted a workforce assessment Check that you communicate the impact of the new regime internally and particularly to those business leaders. You can use it to elevate your position, to to get your seat at the table. And if you haven't got one already, make sure you do get a a sponsor license uh, in place. So submit your your application so that you're ready to sponsor uh, migrant workers if and when you need to.
1: Yes, and another one I've reminded my clients of recently is to get to your PAYE scheme reference number uh, and understand if there are many or just the one covering your company. We understand this is now going to be detailed on the certificate of sponsorship going forwards in the new system, so best to get that prepared and, and have it to hand now. And finally, do give some thought as to how you'll manage business travel. Brexit increases the compliance risk as without free movement, EU travelling to the UK and vice versa, you need to assess whether that travel is permitted. Uh, layer on top of that time restrictions in the Schengen area as well as the social security and possible posted worker notifications, there's really an increasing compliance there. And it's clear that the position is is quite complex now obviously travel is limited at the moment because of the pandemic and there are perhaps protocols in place to sign off any travel but consider whether these could be implemented on a longer term basis a lot of our clients we are discussing at the moment and we're seeing a lot of companies particularly looking at technology solutions to help kind of deal with that minefield of of aspects because it it is complex but but help is out there so if you need any support with any of that please don't hesitate to get in touch and i think that's it for us today louise um thank you thank you for for joining us today louise and also thank you for listening we hope you found this useful and if you have do keep an eye out for our future podcasts in the brexit series thank you Bye
0: now. The Immigration Conversation podcast is presented by Fragment, the leading firm dedicated exclusively to immigration services worldwide. This episode is current as of the date of recording. With frequent changes in global immigration, be sure to keep up to date by visiting our website at www.fragomen.com and subscribing to the Immigration Conversation on your favorite podcast service to hear the latest episode. This podcast is for informational purposes only. This podcast does not constitute legal advice or give rise to an attorney-client relationship between any listener and our firm. If you have any questions, please contact the global immigration professional with whom you work at Fragaman.